Hello and welcome to the Simply Missional podcast brought to you by Global Disciples Canada. My name's Kat Pina and I'm a church planter here in North Vancouver. At Global Disciples, we're passionate about reaching the one third of the world who've never heard the good news of Jesus. And for over 25 years, we've been equipping Indigenous leaders and church planters to go and make disciples of least reached communities worldwide. We don't send anyone from the West, but instead we train and empower near culture workers to go and reach their neighbours. If you want to find out more about what we do, please go to www.globaldisciples.ca or feel free to follow us on Facebook or Instagram for some really uh, inspirational stories that should encourage us all into fulfilling Jesus's great commission. I really hope that this podcast encourages you that mission is simple, that we're all called to be missionaries to the place and the people that God has got us at. Today, I'm very excited to introduce you to our third guest on, on this series. This is Joven David. Hello, Joven. everyone. <laughs> Welcome. Thanks. Glad to be here. It's yeah. so good. It's so good to, to see you. Thank you for coming. You're my new friend, which yeah. I'm really excited about. Um, I'll just do your bio quickly, yeah, if that's please. okay. Perfect. So, Joven. Inspired, of course. <laughs> <laughs> Joven David. The executive director of Jacob's Well in the downtown east side in Vancouver. Jobin is a firm believer in the human ability to exert positive change and is passionate about seeing people come together to be a part of that story. His own journey has taken him from his childhood in rural India to studying, traveling and working various parts of the world. His eclectic professional experience includes stints at International Justice Mission, the Walt Disney Company and Compass Coffee, a coffee startup. David has a BA in philosophy and an MA in Christian ministry from Baylor University in Waco, Texas. He loves living near mountains and is always on the lookout for his next adventure. The next adventure being a sofa in North Vancouver. There you go. <laughs> yeah. The Lord moves in mysterious ways. Yeah. Welcome, Joven. Thanks, Kat. Do you wanna do you wanna give us like a little bit of an introduction into into Jacob's Well and into some of the stuff that you're involved in there? Yeah. So uh, Jacob's Well is a intentional community of friendship, is how I describe it. We're we're you know people focused, and um, we're in, we're in a, in a neighborhood that you know has. Is quite famous for it has its issues, but also has an incredible place of welcome. And so, uh, we have a building of welcome, mm -hmm. but also it's a community that lives and breathes, sort of organically. So we're we're not a church, uh, but also we're not a classical charity either. We're somewhere in the middle of okay. both those things. Uh, and I'm sure we'll, we'll we'll talk a little bit more about what that looks like as we as we go along. So obviously, the downtown east side's got a bit of a name for itself in Vancouver and in Canada. If I was could could just read a few um, stats that I found on your website about the, the the DTS. So it's home to around probably more now eighteen and a half thousand residents, many of whom face poverty daily. So uh, around five thousands are in injection drug users. There are really high rates of HIV and Hep C. Uh, one in five have been diagnosed with a mental illness and many others go undiagnosed. 4,000 of them are underhoused, 800 are homeless. That tells quite a story already then. Yeah, I mean, that's the classical story uh, that 
us outsiders is what I call myself. I'm an outsider <laughs> in these rooms and uh, and in my own neighborhood, even though it's my neighborhood. Um, uh, but our, some of our journey is to is to not just see the need, but to see the person. And so, uh, yeah. And so, but yes, but that is our neighborhood. It is. Uh, it, it is. I think a beautiful place with a fair amount of shitty things too. But. Uh, <laughs> But uh, yeah, we, we're looking for the beauty in the in the places that God calls us to. So, and I see lots of beauty in the downtown east side. So you talk about being a, a, a well, community and friendship is is a, a kind of up there with your values and your priorities. Like, what does that what does that look like? How are you a community of friendship? Yeah, I mean, we um, so when you describe Jacob's well, we've got if we, if we had to describe our pillars, it would be uh, friendship and mutuality as one. Uh, prayer is another, and learning and learning and teaching as a third. Um, and so we we were we were born out of a, a wonderful lady called Pauline Fell, who much later in life felt God was calling her uh, to friendship. And so she would walk the downtown east side and just be friends with people. Mm. And so through her years, she she built this group of friends that. Uh, as she got closer to the end of her life, she felt God was asking to leave a legacy. And she said, well, God, I don't have any money, so I don't know what you're talking about. Mm. And then she felt God say, uh, I want you to hand your friends down as a legacy. And so that's how Jacob's was born, mm. out of uh, one woman answering God's call. Uh, answering God's call, not in some profound, let me solve all your problems kind of way, but just being a good friend. And so uh, that's the legacy that Jacob's Well has. And of course, we, we change and we shift with, you know, as, as the years go and the needs of our community go or the people that form our, our neighborhood. But our community, you know, we've got friends who have been around. Jacob's Well has been around for 20 years. And we've got friends who have been around the whole time. Um, but we have two, it's two, two ways. So we've got these welcome spaces. So we do things like a games night, uh, um, a community kitchen, a community kitchen where, um, I call it the I call it the table of welcome, where everyone uh, everyone's welcome at it, uh, but everyone cooks together, cleans together, uh, and eat together. So that's the that's the ethos of our place, and so um, which which can be a strong contrast to sort of like, oh, I see your hunger, let me let, let me feed it. We're we're saying, I see you, bring your hunger in with you. It's fine. Wow, so you're seeing the person as opposed yeah. to the need. Exactly, exactly. So that's how that's exactly how I describe Jacob's Well. We are uh, people-facing, not needs-facing. So a lot of, um, and I've worked in nonprofits for many years, mm -hmm. and I, I'm not entirely critical of the of the approach of thinking, oh, I, you go into a neighborhood and church planters, you know, whatever missionaries, where we 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 look at need and we start conditioned to look at need. Mm -hmm. But if we look at if we look at people as a, a, a you know, as a bunch of moving needs, uh, we'll forget names, we forget people and who they actually are. People's needs aren't them, they're, they're people first. And so that's what we do. So our community, so it's actually quite difficult to describe what does Jacob's Well do? Um, we, there's a lot of needs in our neighborhood. Housing is a need. In Vancouver, finding a place to live is very hard, uh, even more if you're in poverty. Um, but we don't do housing. Um, you could say that Hunger is a problem in Vancouver, um, but we don't do hunger. Um, but we do people, and so some, and and that that does mean we do approach needs as well. But it's from, it's it's in response to what our friends uh, are going through. So if there's a need that our friends have, it could be as simple as someone saying, 
my son needs a ride to school. And I'm like, well, I'm trying to work this week to try and find a way to get him a ride to school. And so uh, it could be as simple as that, could be bigger things, but we are people for, people facing, not needs facing. So yeah. You sound like a church. You sound like a church doing what a church should do. Exactly, exactly. Uh, but we're also adamant that we are not a church. <laughs> um, and there are reasons for that. Um, uh, sometimes churches in sort of our modern parlance of church comes with agenda and, um, um, you know, a corporate system. And we're not a corporate system. Um, we are a place that I, I'm always encouraging churches to use as a sort of like a living room. So I call us the living room in the downtown east side. So I invite churches to come join us in the living room. And so our welcome mat doesn't stop at our door. Our welcome mat extends under our table. And so everyone that comes to our doormat, we're saying, hey, you step here, you're welcome to our table. That includes the church. And I think the church needs it uh, as much as you know, our friends in the downtown east side do. In fact, sometimes more. And so we are purposefully not a church because we don't have, the, we don't have an agenda of a corporate church. Uh, but yes, we are definitely a faith community that is very church-like uh, in, its, in its practice. And I, I guess because you're not a church, you're an ecumenical community. So non-denominational or all denominational and you accept anybody. <laughs> yeah, yeah, we, every, everyone's welcome. And so... Um, we don't spend, uh, like even on, even on our team, um, who, a, a team that I call, we are stewards of the space. We're stewards of an environment. We're not bosses. We're not lords over it. In fact, you come into our space on a communication night and you can't tell who works there yeah. and who just walked in the door. And I love that you can't tell. Uh, I very rarely tell people I'm the executive director. Like, it's <laughs> such a silly corporate title. Uh, it's necessary in some spaces, but also it, it's silly. And, um, but, uh, yeah, and so we're, we're, we're a space that's ecumenical past what a church would be called ecumenical. We are kind of ecumenical to the extent of like, I don't care what you believe or you don't believe or where you come from. And this extends not just to the poor, but also to people like us who, who have comfortable privilege or people with more privilege than we have. And, uh, we say we all have needs and we're all, we're all in that space together. So, yeah. So obviously Christians will come and volunteer, not non-Christians come to and volunteer, whether that's to, to cook or to hang out or, or to clean, I guess. How, how do you kind of manage that? Because it, it would be easy for someone like me who comes from a so-called privileged white middle-class background to come and be like, right, where can I come rescue people? Here, aren't I the savior? I mean, I'll bring my savior with me, but it's really me who's kind of going to do the saving here because I'm, I'm, I've got so much resource. How do you graciously handle <laughs> people like me who want to come and help out of good intentions but don't really get it? Uh, yeah, I mean, it's, oh, you, you just pitched that to me, didn't you? <laughs> uh, I mean, that's the same mentality uh, I started with, is, is, is the idea that, oh, I mean, God saved me, look at me, I'm going to be a hero. And uh, reducing the need for heroes is, is part of our focus. And so I love watching this happen. So people come, oh, can I volunteer? I'm going to come, I'm going to cook. And we use the word volunteer very loosely. Uh, we want to move people to community members as opposed to volunteers. Because essentially everybody in our space, no matter your background, no matter your demographic, is a volunteer. Um, and I love watching people come in and say, what can I do? And I say, oh, just, you just sit there and, and just 
talk to Devin, you know? <laughs> and, uh, and two hours later, they're like, I'm so sorry. I, I didn't do anything. And I said, no, I saw you talking to Devin. That's wonderful. It's exactly what you should do. And, and a switch goes off in their head where, where they're like, oh, that was me. It's like you were neighboring. You, 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 you were building connection. And that's exactly what you should do. Doesn't mean we don't have things to do. And, you know, there will be other days where you pitch in and you make a salad or you, you know, um, cook our meal or you sweep the floors. But everyone's welcome to the task, um, um, no matter who you are. The idea of like, oh, I've got more strength than you, so I need to do the tough task. It's just we just take that out of the equation and we just let you be you. Tell your story. I want to hear your story just as much as I want to hear um, the needs of my community. Mm -hmm. And so what are your needs? How do we respond to you? Like this year, uh, in, in a very isolated year, uh, a lot of our new volunteers, and again, using that term only because it's easy to access, um, have said, you know, oh my gosh, I have no friends. I, no one's talking to me. I'm locked down. I can't talk to anyone. I'm going to volunteer. And then quickly, three weeks later, they're like, gosh, you're my only friends I have, you know? And, you, and you're building this community and you realize, I need this uh, and I want this. And it's, it pushes all the questions of, oh, I can only be friends with people who look like me and act like me and talk like me. And it re you, you suddenly realize, oh, the world, the world is a beautiful space where I can, I can really connect. And from that connection, really shine God's light in, a, you know, in unique ways. Because God will show you the spaces where you need to lean into as you, as you dig dive into friendship. And, and so I, I hear that community life has flourished at Jacob's Well um, throughout COVID. That, that's in stark contrast to kind of community almost dying out or what was community or what we thought was community amongst us guys in the West um, where we've struggled through isolation. Tell me a little bit about that because that's, that's, that's so challenging that, that you guys there have been able to mm -hmm. flourish mm -hmm. where so much of the world has died a slow death yeah. from loneliness and isolation. Yeah, I mean, I, I, it's been hard. It's, it hasn't been easy. Uh, and I would say that uh, we've, been, uh, we've been losing each other long before COVID came. Um, in a city like Vancouver, where loneliness is our biggest need, uh, we've practiced isolation long before isolation became a mandate. Mm. And so uh, the downtown east side hasn't. The downtown east side, um, I moved to Vancouver in January of 2020, a month before, you know, month and a half before COVID hits. And um, uh, I have friends in all sorts of neighborhoods. The only neighborhood that invites me home is in the downtown east side. Mm. And so, um, and that's the thriving community is something the downtown east side has done well long before I've been here, long before Jacob's Well has been around. Uh, and we'll continue to do that. And, and, and it's in stark contrast to the rest of Vancouver. Mm -hmm. And so it's not some magical, oh, yeah, in COVID, we did community well. It's just what we've always done. Mm -hmm. uh, and it's been harder. Uh, we've had to limit the number of people in a room and things like that. But, but because there's a, there's a foundation of friendship, uh, community continues to thrive. And so some ways that it's, it's happened this year is we've dug deeper into one-on-one -on -one relationships with people. We've gotten to know each other so much more than the two hours in a little community meal can teach us. Mm. And that's been wonderful. We've, lent, we've really leaned into uh, realizing that in some ways, a charity community space cannot do deep friendship the way a family can. Yeah. And that's the challenge I give to families and churches everywhere is if you've got families in your church, you've got incredible spaces of welcome 
that a charity can't do. Uh, and so we've leaned into houses in our own neighborhood, places of sanctuary, I would call, that, you know, there are faith-based families that we, we've said, hey, treat our space as your living room as you journey with people. We've, we've, we've realized the needs of um, needing housing and we've helped friends locate into housing with community, which is way more sustainable than, uh, than throwing someone in a you know, one-room space somewhere just because we want to put a roof over their heads. And so, um, so in some ways we have thrived. We, we may not have thrived in sort of like, do we have large rooms of spaces? Mm. And this is kind of how even churches um, uh, ascertain their success, right? They're like, oh, we had 300 people at, at service today. And it's really funny because my friends in Texas will laugh at me when I say 300 people because I think there's a lot of people. <laughs> yeah. And you've got like 6,000 in the church, <laughs> yeah. right? And I'm like, okay, how are you doing community with 6,000 people? Mm. And community's a buzzword these days. But... Uh, but small and, uh, and people-focused. And so that's what we've done this year. And so I would say community has thrived. And I, I don't say community has thrived in the organization I work for. It has thrived for me because I've built friendships uh, that will last a lifetime, last their lifetimes and my lifetime um, in, in, these, in these unlikely spaces. Uh, and also, uh, if, if you're someone that's asking, hey, where are the poor, where am I poor in my city? I, I challenge you to like, uh, in the middle of lockdown, well, the poor still need you and they still, they will welcome you in ways that uh, those of us with the comforts of like a roof over our heads, um, lockdown's possible for us. It isn't possible. How do you, how, how do you lock down if there's no roof at all? Yeah. So that's the questions we've been asking and how, we've ne we haven't closed throughout COVID. Um, we haven't, we haven't advertised it or we haven't talked, oh, look at all the things we've done, but we've just, you know, sort of subversely, subversively continue to do what we do. Um, and also, even as you hear this, like, uh, we don't need to talk too much about all the things we've had, we've done, and, but we've just, you know, kept our, kept our foot on the pedal and been present and said, hey, our place of welcome continues to exist. We will, we will flex, but pivot as, as the needs, mm -hmm. as, as the story, as the requirements change, but we're still here and still available to you. Hey, it's Andre Lesueur, the Executive Director of Global Disciples Canada. Thank you for letting me interrupt our regular show with Capina on Simply Missional. Did you know that 97% of the world's unreached population live in the 1040 window? What is that window? What is the 1040, Andre? Great question, class. The 1040 window is the rectangular area of North Africa, the Middle East and Asia, approximately 10 degrees north and 40 degrees north latitude, where the majority of the world's population uh, who don't know Jesus live. A heap of those are Muslims, Hindus and Buddhists. And um, our heart at Global Disciples Canada is to help equip leaders to reach these people in that 1040 window. So why do you think... Um affluent western christians struggle so much with with being alongside poor people or or drug users or or you know i mean we're all addicted in so many different ways and i and i guess you know the the guys that you, know, you do community within in the downtown east side um it's almost like that sin is very public. Yeah. We're much better at wearing masks and and uh, covering our addictions up. But why why do we not live alongside the poor what why why don't we do that as 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 western people what, what what's so challenging for us in yeah. your eyes yeah i mean this well i could talk about this forever but um i think we often think of the poor as as being there and we are here and 
oh my gosh, I need to help the poor. And um, it brings me back to that, um, what we began with, where we said we are people-facing and not um, needs-facing. And even, even the concept of, oh, the poor is a needs-facing language. Uh, there's poor next door to you. Different kind of poor, but there's needy people next door to you. If you are not reaching out to the neighbor and saying hi and seeing how they're doing and uh, when you bake that extra sourdough bread, sharing it, mm. then, well, no point going to the poor. Uh, it's, it's what we do in our daily. And it's simple, right? I mean, that's what you, you, when you introduced this podcast, you said it's simple. And mission is simple and friendship is simple. It's not easy. Simple doesn't mean easy. Recently, I was watching a documentary about trees and uh, it's in Germany and this guy has stopped pulling trees out with heavy machinery, uses horses. And so a group came and said, isn't it inefficient to use horses? And uh, shouldn't we use machinery? And he, his response was, machinery is faster. It doesn't mean it's more efficient, mm-hmm. right? And I said, oh, that is, that is a really good take on what it's like to journey with the poor or journey with your neighbor. Um, I encourage neighboring more than I encourage go find the poor. Mm. Because when you when you neighbor, you will find uh, where the poor are, and more importantly, you will find um, where you are poor, uh, mm. and where you need someone. So, uh, something that we use often in in the downtown east side, and my my colleague Aaron White would say a lot is uh, in the downtown east side, everyone's in recovery. Everyone knows, oh, this is this is what I'm bad at. I'm recovering from this. Those of us who are outside, we don't know what we need recovery from. We've never pointed it out. Maybe we need recovery from all those Amazon packages we keep ordering, right? Or, um, and and if you if you spend time with people who have done that journey, you have a lot to learn from them because they will they will teach you uh, the things you need to learn in the ways that you're poor yourself. And also, like I think from a Christian perspective, we we think Jesus is not with the poor. Well, if you read your gospel, that's mm-hmm. exactly where Jesus is. People go hunting for, let me, let me bring Jesus to the poor. Hello, Jesus has been there long before you showed up. <laughs> and, um, and I keep discovering that every day, that I have very little new to bring that isn't already there. Um, I just, I'm just here along for the ride. Uh, and something, I mean, Joe and I were talking before we started this, and... Um, uh, Joe was describing, and I, I don't, I, I don't think everyone needs to do it exactly like this. But these are just things we've, we've learned. Is you know, oh, we'll create a space where we'll put Jesus in the center, and uh, and that's lovely and that's wonderful. And that's what church should do. But we're also saying we're going to set the table. Jesus is at the table. Come join us, right? Mm-hmm. And and Jesus works. Uh, I don't imagine Jesus as the the, the classical uh, Last Supper where he's in the middle and his arms stretched you know, all the way to the end, like Mr. Fantastic. It, it, it just doesn't work that way. I think Jesus is at the table like everyone else, mm. and he's inviting us to it. He's inviting us to serve, and sometimes Jesus doesn't serve. He just sits and chats, mm. and that's lovely. And uh, we want Jesus to, to be that person um, that he is, human, and, he, you know, you, without the halo around, but, yeah. you know, you, you walk in the space and you can't, you can't you say, oh, which one of these is Jesus? That's what we want to, mm. that's what we want to, uh, that's what we want to reflect. I think that's how Jesus did ministry. Amazing. I love that term neighboring that you use. 
I think, um, and the way that Jesus says that we're to love our neighbors. Mm -hmm. And actually, I think what you're talking about is the state of our hearts. Mm -hmm. So if we're not connecting with the poor or our neighbors, there's something going on in our hearts. Mm And, uh, and we can we can try and maybe jump on a bandwagon, a project to make ourselves feel better. But it has got to be about the love that's in our hearts and the love yeah, that we have yeah. for God and therefore the way we love each other. Yeah. And by that love, people will know that, that we follow Jesus. Yeah, I mean, that's something we've talked about a little bit about this. And um, I've, you know, I've, I've worked in nonprofit worlds for a while and, you know, we create projects and we say, okay, how do we create a project that's, that volunteers can access? Or how do I, okay, this is the need and I'm going to eradicate hunger in this neighborhood in the next five years and I'm going to write a grant for it or whatever. And I think, I think much of God's work happens in the humdrum, in the, in, in, in the, you know, in the low and slow and uh, in the happy and the sad, the highs and, you know, ebb and flow of life um, as opposed to like, Oh, I've got my missional time and my home time and my kids' time and soccer practice, right? Mm-hmm. So, um, in your work, like you've got it, you've, the person sharing a table with you, yeah, that's that's part of it's part of your mission and it's part of your uh, neighboring. Uh, and, and family, I exactly. guess what you're describing, you know, the slow, the low, the humdrum, the boring, mm-hmm. the angry, the sad, the highs, the mm-hmm. lows. You you are describing family. Those are family dynamics. Exactly. And that's what you're saying Jacob's yeah. well is 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 trying to be, is does yeah. does well at times, probably doesn't at other times. Yeah. Right. Yeah. I mean we, we some words that we use and these are all the <laughs> like someone yesterday is like, Yeah, you use friendly and liminal and uh, <laughs> friendship. Liminal. And, you know, liminal is a word I love. <laughs> I absolutely love my my missions professor just would love de- me for it. Just describe the word liminal to me because I haven't got a oh, clue. Really? I've just been nodding like, okay. oh yeah, liminal. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So liminal means on the threshold of. Ah. It's a beautiful word. I've spent much of my life in the liminal space because I'm a third culture kid. And the liminal space basically means I'm going to stay here mm. um, where I'm anticipating change. Mm. Um, it's that space when you open your door and that's that welcome mat you're still not in, but you hope you might get in, right? So that's the liminal space. And in some ways, Jacob's Well, communities that are saying, that are welcoming the poor or communities that are welcoming your neighbor, all of that happens in that liminal space. The hope is that you will move past the threshold to deep relationality and, and friendship and all these things. But also, um, but also we're saying much of our work happens in that hello. Uh, and that's a long, it can be, a, for, some, for, some of, for some of our friends, it's a long space to stay on the threshold. And for others, it's a quick transition in. But a, as people that are people of welcome, we, we've got to embrace uh, that liminal space. Understand where people are coming from and where they're going. Understand where you're coming from and where you're going. And then create home in that space. And so friendship is a beautiful word. You know, it's, it's, it, in some ways, it's more beautiful than even family. Not all our friends need us as family. Some of them do. Uh, family is, you, you don't get to pick your family, you know, I wish I did, <laughs> but you, you just get it. You, I mean, there are, there are a few people in your family you picked, but the rest of them you didn't. Friends, you get to pick them. Uh, <laughs> but I think as, as Christians, the challenge for us is we've got to welcome all. And that's, uh, if you're not welcoming all, uh, we've got to ask some questions. And it includes welcome the poor, welcome the person you most disagree with, and uh, and then lean into friendship with them. And then maybe someday some of them will become like family to you. And that will be a beautiful thing. 
Jobin, could you t- talk to us a little bit about um, dealing with people with very poor mental health? Um, I-, I think personally, um, a, f- a fear for me um, is of working and ministering alongside people that you're, you know, that you have coming in day in day out at Jacobs. Well, is is the level of mental health and the level of need there? Mm-hmm. How how do you deal with that stuff on a regular basis? Mm-hmm. Uh, I mean, I'm. I have a background in social work, so I, I can talk about it very academically. And for a space like Jacob's Well, where we're not all, we're not all therapists, we're not mm. you know, we're not professional counseling services. We, we, just like we do for everyone else, it's 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 welcome and looking at the person and and giving plenty of space. We we try very hard, well not very hard because it's not hard to do to not curate spaces perfectly. So we allow a lot of space for creativity, for overflow, for anger, for frustration, uh, whether it comes out of a place of mental health issues or not um we all i have moments where i'm i'm very upset and very frustrated and very angry and the space in this community for that and so um if your welcome is wide open you will allow space for people uh to be themselves and they don't get kicked out because of their uh, mental health stuff now of course we're also a place where everyone's welcome so sometimes a person's welcome is um Someone is incapable of offering welcome to someone else, and sometimes we have to say, "No, you're not welcome here." But it happens very, not very often. Um, but I think I think if we will not stigmatize uh, mental health, if we will look at them as person and not just a moving set of trauma, or like, it's simple, like, uh, "What's your name? Uh, how are you doing today? Uh, how can I, how can I hear you?" and uh, the how can I hear you is not even spoken aloud. It's something you say in your head, like, I'm on here. I want to be here. Uh, how can I offer a hug? And it may not be a physical hug. And so um, just stay in that space. Mm-hmm. Now, if you're a mental health professional, well, there, there might be other things you can do and uh, that are more particular and more, and, you know, we could do a whole podcast on mental health, mm-hmm. yeah, uh, yeah. especially in a city like Vancouver where it's, where, where it's a big issue. Um, if, if, if at a point that one of our friends says, hey, I need... I need help, then we might direct them to more professional help and you're journeying with someone. But for us in the, in, you know, in the daily, daily life, I mean, just, just be just as welcoming. Mm-hmm. Um, be careful of the things you say and you know, respond to the person in front of you as opposed to ideas you already have uh, is what I would advise on mm-hmm. mental health. Um, something we say, we, we uh, um, so we, we're, Gosh, this is something I probably should have said earlier, but yeah, but that's that's what I would say on mental health, and I, I, and also understand that this year has been hard for all of us, mm-hmm. and we all have mental health yeah. issues we need to deal with, mm-hmm. and if we will find common space as opposed to like, oh, I don't have mental health, you have it, let me fix you. Uh, so how can we be fixed yeah, together? It's more, it's more the approach. It, I, I think, I think, yeah. There's the danger that we want to come in and solve and mm-hmm. rescue because mm-hmm. we think, well, we're we we've got so much to give to you guys, mm-hmm. you know. But you're so right, you know. When when I'm struggling, I don't want somebody to come fix me. I want mm-hmm. them to sit with me and listen mm-hmm. and be. Yeah. And yeah. and that's so powerful. Even yeah. just to be listened to yeah. is something quite foreign in today's world. Mm-hmm. We're not very good at listening to each other. So again, like you, you're talking about the simple, simple things that we yeah, can do yeah. human to human. Yeah, yeah. I mean, the least amongst us, right? I, I want, 
friend, you know, friendship and working with someone with mental health issues takes a lot of vulnerability, mm. and um, which is uh, the academics would say, ah, oh, don't do it that way. But I think there's some in the Christian life. I mean, if you if 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 you're not open and forthright with the people, um, your struggles and not always you know struggles need to be blasted out. But in friendship, you can right. I mean, just think of your best friend and how you journey with them. It's not different than journeying with someone new. Uh, how did you build that friendship? Was it? A, did you don't make best friends over one day? <laughs> you make best friends over a lifetime, and that's the kind of friendship uh, God calls us to, no matter what the person's going through. And it's hard. Let's not sugarcoat it. Mm-hmm. It's hard. We can say simple and all of that, but it's hard. Yeah. And you know, give yourself space when it's hard. It's okay. And so how, how do you kind of look after yourself? How do you ward off cynicism? How do you stay hopeful? You know, h- how do you do those things for you? Uh, not, not very well most <laughs> of the time, but, uh, but uh, I have found great solace in having, I've got a, we've got a wonderful team that, that understands what each of us is. We, we, we talk very little about what we do. We talk about who we are and what we can be and so a state of being versus a state of doing and so in that being means we lean on each other we uh, we give plenty of space to each other to take time off we go climb a mountain you know um take a bike ride um take each, take a bike ride on one of your four bikes on one of <laughs> <laughs> this guy takes cycling seriously <laughs> no, no, i take bikes seriously i need to cycle more but <laughs> but uh yeah, there's a lot of, if you can, if you can figure out, uh, it takes time, what the fabric of life mm-hmm. is, where, where your life is like interwoven with other people in a way where there's enough space for you to take time. But also, within those times, you're also, it's not all about giving, it's just, you know, you turn left, you turn left with other people, and then you will find that community will hold you up and the times you need to be held up. And I found incredible uh, homing with unlikely friends who when I share, hey, I'm not doing very well, they're very happy to provide me space. Hey, come over for lunch. And it's wonderful. It's, you know, we laugh, we say inappropriate jokes, and it's great. Uh, you always need a space for that, that and, inappropriateness. Yeah, and it's, and it's wonderful. <laughs> we'll go watch a movie, you know. It's, it's just... you. If, we, if you can find, and I'm very lucky, and well, lucky is a, is, is a weird word, but uh, very privileged and honored that I, I get to do this. I, I, get to, I get to take all of my time and find community, right? I mean, and, and I totally understand it's not something everyone can do. Maybe you're in a job that you're like, oh, I hate it, but I got to do it. But if you can find the spaces where uh, you're able to give and get, together and if, if you can embrace mutuality it's much more tiring to think oh i'm going to come save you than to say i'm coming alongside you i need saving as just just as much as you and it's it's much easier to take time and to be creative and to mm-hmm. um, take care of yourself in those spaces as opposed to oh how much can i keep get filling my bottle so i can pour out some more and, and isn't that the basis of a good friendship, mutuality? Exactly. So it's not just the giver gives to the recipient, actually. Exactly. It's a two-way thing. And like I was saying before, Jesus is at the table with you. So uh, so we don't run to Jesus uh, on the day that it's bad. 
mm. or he's at the table. So he's already there. So he's a, he should be in the fabric of your uh, every day at the table, at the dinner table, at the communal table, at all of those spaces. And so um, when you intertwine all of that, the care is constant. It's not, uh, and this is just, you know, it sounds peachy key, you know, it's like, oh, it's so easy for Joven to say. Yes, it, it is easy for me to say, and it's it's not, again, not easy. And there'll be times, this year I had to take a month off, and that's okay. Um, but we need we also need to realign our, I think in some ways we need to realign our lives to what are the things that are important? Uh, and is is all the money we earn important? And if it's not bringing you happiness, then we've got to rethink um, how much do I really need? Uh, how, how much should I give away? And I think you will find great purpose and value in taking care of yourself alongside others. Hmm. So awesome. Thank you so much for your vulnerability. That's really precious. Um, I've only got a couple more questions. Mm-hmm. Um, is there anything that you would recommend in terms of a, a book that's kind of changed your thinking or informed your thinking or a podcast or apart from this one, obviously, <laughs> uh, or, or anything that you would recommend to the listeners to mm. help us delve a little bit more deeply into, into this and how, how we think about these things mm-hmm. or even how we do these things? Yeah, I mean, there's, there's a lot of good books out there. Um, a book, I mean, unlikely book to suggest uh, is... is that I really enjoyed in university was Poisonwood Bible. It's a, I don't know if you ever read it, but no. it's a novel about a Baptist minister who goes to the Congo. And uh, it will really dig into uh, the sort of uh, um, top-down approach to missions of like, here, let me go baptize you to and try to make you think of like, oh, what does mutuality look like? And what is the upside-down gospel of like being radical in the way that we build friendship and connectivity and family? But it's a novel. It's not. Mm. It's not religious in any way. Nice. It's by Barbara Kingsolver. And what's the guns just say the name again? The Poisonwood Bible. Poisonwood Bible. Cool. Uh, uh, I enjoy that one. Some. If you want to read a little bit about our neighborhood and uh, Aaron White, who who, who he works with twenty four seven prayer and also works with us at Jacob's Well, written a book called Recovering. It's a good. It's. It, it's a short book, but it gives some stories about the downtown east side, and it's a powerful. Um, it talks about all of us needing recovery and um, mm. what does that look like. And you can get that. You can order it from our website or you can order it through Baker Publishing. And, uh, and I'll put that on the show yeah, notes yeah. for the podcast. All proceeds go to Jacob's Well. So Awesome. Thank you. All that's left to ask you, Jacob. J- Jacob. Jacob. People J- have called me that before. J- sorry about that. <laughs> um, could you give us... Out of everything that you've said, what's your one thing that is your simply missional challenge to 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 us, your listeners? Um, the the one the one thing I, I was, if you can if you can look, if you can be people facing and not needs facing, try that today, and don't try that, uh, you know. Oh, I'm going to drive to the poorest part of town and try it. Uh, see if you can turn to your neighbor where you live, where you work, and see if you can listen to them like i i love when people meet me as hello jobin how do i help how do i serve you as opposed to hello jobin my coworker who is indian and you know all these other things if we can just be human and like be pe- people facing in an approach and uh i think you will you'll find jesus in those spaces Cool. That's that's a simple one. That's a really simple and profound one. Thank you. So um our simply missional challenge to you <laughs> 
The two previous ones that I've given people, I I almost felt a little bit bad about them because it it felt a little bit embarrassing for them. So I'm giving you a much easier one, which is just simply to tell us your best joke. Oh, gosh. I'm not going to make you gargle or sing or (laughs) stand on your head. I'd probably rather do gargle and sing (laughs) than stand on my head. Come on, Jeremy, uh, give us your best shot. Here we go. Oh, gosh. Uh, Let's see. Um, Okay, here's one a kid told me the other day. Uh, knock, knock. Who's there? Interrupting cow. Interrupting cow who? Moo! <laughs> I guess, I mean, the follow-up to that is when someone knock, knock, the right response to Jacob would be, come in. <laughs> but, <laughs> but interrupting cow or do, not. Do you want to reference the little kid who told you that? Just so he's got his little two minutes oh, no, of fame. Oh, fine. Okay. <laughs> <Sorry>. <laughs> Thank you, Joven. That's it. That's a great way to end. Thank you so much. Wow. I've got a lot to think about after that. Um, There we go. I really hope that you've enjoyed that and that that's just given you some food for thought. I know that it has me. I'm going to be re-listening to this stuff. Um, But thank you. Thank you for joining us. Thank you for for listening to the Simply Missional podcast by Global Disciples Canada. Um, Remember, do like us, follow us, subscribe to our mailing list that you can find on our website. And um, and may God just lead you and us into more adventures with him um, that we can do mission simply, neighbouring, May you do neighboring simply today. It's goodbye from me. Yeah, and thanks for having me. Great to talk with all of you. Can you tip your hat? Just tip your hat. There you go.